You are listening to a sermon series from Open Door Fellowship Church. Thank you. Good morning, Open Door. Uh, Good to see you. We're grateful each one of you could be here this morning. I see Aaron from New Zealand right there. Uh, Aaron, great to have you, man. Um, Jeremy, sitting next to you. Used to be Washington, now a little Texas uh, going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shouldn't have started that. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> you guys, um, at, at True Face, we, we have this vision that we would be able to see millions of high-trust communities of grace multiplied around the world. And it's not our grace, it's God's grace. And we're not the multipliers. Uh, we just get to watch it happen. And so this morning we thought, you know, it would be fun to bring some people from some other places where those communities are being multiplied. And so we're going to share uh, some of that uh, with you this morning. I just wanted to remind us that last week we... Um, We had this little verse here uh, that Stuart brought up to us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. And he was reminding us that the treasure is what counts. We're just earthen vessels, or as he said, clay pots, okay? So when you see people coming from other lands and doing all these wonderful things, just remember they're, they're clay pots like us. And the treasure is what we want to celebrate this morning. And we will do that. Uh, I flash back to this picture of this board of directors couple of Trueface because they want to thank you for what you've done to care for us and love us and pray for us and, and help us be where we are today in being able to cheer people on in other countries. And so we want to just say thanks to those folks from Oklahoma and Kentucky and California in fact, I think Steen is over here. Yeah, Steen right here, one of our board members. Um, and we just want to say thanks today. And then as, as, we, um, as we think about the first person that we're going to hear from today, Carson Pugh, who uh, is from British Columbia and is a, a, a vice president there and a special advisor to the president of Campus Life and lots of other things. In fact, pray for their appearance before the Supreme Court of Canada November 30 and December 1, if you think about it, it's a very critical case uh, for all of Canada. And so if you would pray for uh, Carson, you think of him, he will bless you this morning. You could bless him by praying for him and uh, Trinity Western, which is the largest uh, cr- uh, Christian liberal arts university in Canada. And, and so Carson, why don't you come up here? Carson and I met in 2000. And he was then the CEO of Aero Leadership, which is in multiple countries, including New Zealand. And, um, and that's, how we, that's when I first got to know him. He was doing that. He's doing a lot of other things since then. And uh, God's been doing a lot of things in this last couple of years in your mm-hmm. life. And we just thought, could you come and talk to us about what the treasure has been like mm-hmm. in these last couple of years? Yeah. Loved having you, Thank my you. friend. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Uh, 
Uh, I have wanted to be at Open Door Fellowship for a long time. Um, you may not know it, but you're known. Uh, and I'm not here today to uh, preach at you. I want to share more from the heart of a father and the heart of a grandfather to you. I met Bruce uh, in Amsterdam in 2000. We were there at a Billy Graham conference, and we met by accident <laughs> and uh, walked the canals, and our hearts resonated together, and we've been friends ever since then. And um, So I want to just share with you as a church, I, I've been a pastor of churches, and um, for Open Door Fellowship, you have got a ripple effect happening out of this place, like, like the Lord dropped a huge boulder into a still lake, and the ripples are going out to all parts of the world. Uh, in Genesis 49, verse 22, uh, there's this description going on about Joseph, and it says that Joseph was a fruitful vine, and that he dwelt by a stream, and then it goes on to say, and his vines have grown over the walls. And I think that that applies to you here at Open Door. You know, if you stay close to the Lord, if you stay by that, that stream of living water, then his vines are going to grow over your walls. And they have already done that. I'm from Canada, but I'm, I'm, I'm a global Christian. I work with Christian leaders all around the world. And as a result of the message of grace in my life, I, I'm one of those ones who's a seed planter. And I'm counting on the Lord for the harvest. So I just want to thank you and I want to bless you uh, as a church. Well, part of uh, my story in the last uh, two years is that uh, 795 days ago today, uh, my dear wife, Brenda, passed through uh, our life and passed through the veil uh, to be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, she was diagnosed with lung cancer. She's uh, one of these incredibly healthy people, never smoked a thing in her life. Um, she had a mutation of lung cancer, and uh, the doctor said that... Uh, she would live for 150 days maximum. Now, doctors, they don't like to give dates out because they're always wrong. Um, but Brenda said to this oncologist, she, she said, you don't number my days. <laughs> and, and she didn't because Brenda lived for 588 days, became an outlier in all the medical data, was contacted by researchers around the world trying to figure out why she was still alive. Uh, but those 588 days became the most precious days in my life and in, and in our family's life. They were the most precious days of our marriage. And we wouldn't trade them. Her um, story is written in this book called But If Not... Um, the title comes from a conversation she had with my middle son. I have three sons, Jason, Jeremy, and Jonathan. And Jeremy came over one afternoon, and he was really perturbed. 
And he sat down with Brenda and he said, I just don't get it, Mom. He said, you have people literally around the world praying for you. Brenda had three visits during her 588 days from pastors from China who flew over to pray with her. And when those people pray, like we didn't understand a word of it, but the spirit was there and they were praying for her healing. She had a pastor come from Kuwait to pray for her. Uh, she had a pastor and his wife from the United Kingdom come and pray with her. So Jeremy's going, you, you've had all these people praying for your healing, and you're getting worse. I just don't get it. And Brenda responded, and she said, oh, Jeremy, God's going to heal me. I, I'd prefer if it was here and I got to stay with you longer, but he's going to heal me. Uh, and... Uh, and, and then she said, but if not, if I, if I can't be here, she said, but if not, then he'll heal me in heaven. And those words, but if not, which also comes from the Daniel passage about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, uh, four of my, uh, my children, my sons are all married. Uh, they went out and they got tattoos that say, but if not. Um, two of my daughters, I call them my daughters, daughters-in-law, and two of my sons um, have these tattoos. And they tell every week about uh, stories of interactions with people who go, what does that mean? And then they talk about um, the grace of God uh, in our lives. Uh, Brenda... Uh, talks in her book very honestly. She developed a, a blog, and she had 132,000 people following her story. Because I think people are, are hungry to hear about faith that's grounded in reality. And when, even when facing death, you can do so uh, with this sense of confidence. Now, um, Brenda left a lot of lists Oh, before I tell you about the list, I've brought several copies of this today. I've got about a half a dozen of them. If any of you are suffering with a terminal illness or a chronic illness, uh, or you know of caretakers uh, who are taking care of people with cancer in particular, come up and I'll give you one. I'll, I'll, just, I'll actually just set them here at the front. And you can just pick one up. Uh, you'll find that it's a message of hope and uh, and care and love for people in those positions. And it's kind of funny, too, <laughs> at times. Um, okay, so Brenda leaves these lists. Now, one of the advantages, if you can call it that, of not dying quickly, like in a car accident or something, is that she had time. So she planned her entire uh, service right down to the minute, and everybody who was participating in what they were to do. And then she, uh, she also left this one list, and it said these were to be open at the time of her death. And one of the envelopes, uh, envelopes contained a list, and it said, my communication plan. And she said, um, at the time of my death, I want you to invite the following people to my service. And then she, she had this most eclectic list of people. The manager of the Subway restaurant, and she had his name there, and uh, said, go, go and invite him to come to the service. Uh, there were five people at the local coffee shop. Um, she named them all and asked them to come 
uh, they actually closed the coffee shop that day and came to the service. Uh, the manager of the Subway restaurant wept when my daughters told him of Brenda's passing. Uh, she had the two neighbors on each side of our house and the two neighbors that lived behind us. She wanted them personally invited. She had all their names uh, to come. And she lived in community. And uh, she, she knew all these people that we didn't, we didn't know she knew. And um, so she left that list. My daughters went around and extended the invitation. And uh, my one daughter came home in tears. And she said, I don't even know the name of the guy at my Subway restaurant, let alone have him in tears over the loss of mom. She also left me a list. And uh, she left me a list of five things that she wanted me to continue doing after her death. So I have them on the wall in my home office. Um, and the five things were, firstly, she wanted me to continue to support and lead our family, to not stop doing that. The second thing she asked of me was that I would take care of myself, my health, Take care of my friendships with people. Like, don't isolate yourself. And then she also said that she wanted me to remember to take holidays for restoration. And that one caused a lump in my throat because those words would only come from somebody who really knew me. Um, because my tendency would be to just work and put my head down. And, and how do you take a holiday alone? Uh, now that I'm living as a single person, I, yeah, forgive me and forgive all pastors and everything who don't understand uh, what that's like. The, the third thing she said was, <laughs> continue to proclaim the gospel of grace through writing, speaking, and encouraging leaders. Now, the phrase... Proclaim the gospel of grace is a phrase that Brenda had never used before. Uh, she's, she was a, a public speaker. Uh, she was a writer. We talked a lot in our home. She never used the phrase, you know, proclaim the gospel of grace. But she has it on my list, and it's right in the center of this list. And it makes me smile. We were living out of grace uh, but the fact that, that she wanted me to continue that, and of the five things she wanted me to keep doing, it's there. She, um, she then said, uh, enjoy the business. Uh, we formed a business together before she died called Quadrant Leadership, and I'm doing executive mentoring through that. And it was out of that that um, I started working at Trinity Western University. Um, and then the last one was travel strategically for ministry and pursue your passion for Africa and China in particular. So I've been working, um, I have been, she, she had seen this, that God had put sort of a calling on my life to work uh, in Asia and in Kuwait and in Rwanda and Ethiopia uh, in particular. So I got these marching orders, and uh, I want you to know that in terms of proclaiming the gospel of grace, that I never speak anywhere 
without letting people have the seeds of what it means to really accept and understand grace. When uh, I also, when I'm encouraging leaders, um, I want them to know that, it, that if you accept Jesus, there's nothing more that you can do to make him love you anymore. And I've been, been with a lot of Christian leaders who talk about grace from a theological concept that, it, that they have to work towards. <laughs> kind of defeats the whole purpose of it. When, um, when Brenda um, said that I'm to continue proclaiming the grace, when I think about doing this with other leaders, uh, some, of the way, some of the other ways that I'm doing it is I'm, I'm just starting a small group um, now at home. We haven't held our first meeting yet. But it's going to be filled with broken people. Uh, broken people who aren't going to church anymore. Broken people who can't get past their stuff. And, um, and we're going to start that um, to just have, create a bit of a safe place for people to begin to learn about this and to deal with it. And um, I will continue to share the gospel of grace with leaders uh, in Africa and with China. And this is all part of this ripple effect that has come largely from the work that you've done here. I believe that, that proclaiming the gospel of grace also starts with your family. And I'm creating an environment of grace uh, with my family. And uh, I wanted to tell a story about uh, the, the summer... We went to a Christian camp, a family camp, and we went as a whole family. So there's 13 of us with my grandchildren. And um, while we were there for one of the evening sessions, the topic was on uh, how do you nurture healthy relationships? And it was with, um, with God, with your family, and with others. And uh, so the night that it was on family, the speaker said uh, in the evening session, he turns to my son Jeremy and he goes, Jeremy, um, the Pew family are known to be a fairly, you know, great family, healthy family. He said, tell us some of the things that you do as a family that help you to be healthy. And my son Jeremy goes, well, um, at, my, at my home, uh, we live a little bit out in the country, and we have a big fire pit there, and my dad and my brothers will come over and we'll spend time around the fire pit. And then, and then the speaker said, uh, well, what do you do at the fire pit? And Jeremy goes, well, we drink Irish whiskey, and then, uh, and, and, then, and then the speaker went like this, okay, and how about over, uh, how about over here? What, what do you do? So, um, but you know, um, Jer and then afterwards, we're leaving the room, and my oldest son and my youngest son come alongside Jeremy, and my oldest son says to him, Jeremy, what were you thinking, you know? And Jeremy goes, I don't know, like he just surprised me. I wasn't expecting the, wasn't expecting the question. But I have got three, three men that I'm living life with who are also my sons. And we're living out of grace. And we're, um, we're upholding uh, one another. Um, I also participated in the High Trust Leadership uh, course with my son Jason. I've given all of them the cure for parents, which I love that book. Um, and to, to do that. And when Brenda was first diagnosed, we went away as a family together, and um, 
we, we were at um, a beautiful island off the coast of British Columbia, and my wife is there with my adult children talking to us about preparing for death. And I sat there, and I'm listening to this as her husband and as the father of these children and grandfather to my grandkids. They were in bed at the time. But I started to feel angry. And I was feeling angry because I felt like this conversation should not be happening. You know, Lord, we've served you our whole lives. So I excused myself from the room, and I went into our bedroom, and I started yelling at God. And I, I was yelling at him, and I said, you think this is a good idea? This is not a good idea. This is a bad idea. And I, I just let him have it. And while I was ranting at him, I, I heard the Lord speak to me, and, and, and he called me by name. And he said, Carson, trust me. And the tone of that word for me was, trust me regardless of the outcome. And I realized that in much of my life, I was willing to trust God as long as things were going my way. But I was nervous about this trust me despite the outcome. Well, the whole theme about trusting God is right at the core of us spreading this message of grace. And C.S. Lewis, in the book Mere Christianity, he wrote, as long as a man is thinking of God as an examiner who has set him some sort of paper to do, or as the opposite party in some sort of bargain, as long as he's thinking of claims and counterclaims between himself and God, he is not yet in the right relationship with God. He is misunderstanding what he is and what God is. And he cannot get into the right relationship until he has discovered the fact of our bankruptcy. When I trust God for who he is and who he says I am, there is this great shalom that comes over me and it comes over you. The Holy Spirit dwells within me and I'm righteous and there's nothing you can do about that. And when this... Shalom comes over you. Uh, a side effect of it is that you actually don't want to sin. So you have the grace to be forgiven for your sins, but at the same time, you actually don't want to. It goes away. Do you fail? Yes. Are we saints that sometimes sin? Yes. But we can't, we can't make God love us any more than he already does. So this morning, I, I, I just want to say to you that God is calling you by name. Think, think of your first name in your head right now. He's calling you that. And he's just saying, trust me, regardless of the outcome. So thank you once again for... Um, for being a channel for this important and this challenging life message. 
uh, it's so important, and it's so important in our day right now. So I just want to close by just praying a prayer of blessing over you. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for my sisters and brothers in this room. I thank you how you have used them, <laughs> despite themselves, <laughs> to grow vines over walls that are reaching to parts of our world that we would never have dreamt possible. I thank you for the way they sing. They sing as the redeemed here. And I thank you for that. I thank you for the grace that you bestow on us. And so I pray, Lord, for a blessing of your shalom over everyone here. May they be at peace in knowing who you are and in knowing who you say we are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, my brother. Come on up. All right. Carson, bless us, brother. You help us so much to think about uh, how trust and grace go together. And I love that you prayed that we would, we would hear our first name, each of us. And thanks for carrying this all over the world. That's amazing. Amazing. Well, here we are with some more folks uh, from different places around the world. And um, so uh, we thought, you know, each of these people, they could take the whole morning. But uh, we're going we're gonna to cut it up a little bit and, and uh, get you out of here before 2. And um, <laughs> so here, here's the first one, uh, Della or Delphine Fanfon from Cameroon. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what she's doing to carry the message and, and see those communities multiplied in Africa. Um, second one is, oh, by the way, uh, she's using this book, which is The Cure, in French. And, and so, Francophone Africa. Um, second one, Chad Ballou. I tell you what, man. Uh, this is a former military interrogator. Uh, interrogator. And a former businessman, uh, motorcycle shop, right? Um, and that's how you got to be a pastor, right? You just, oh, it's, that's your path right there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Normal yeah, normal path, yeah. Um, and then uh, reward Sabanda uh, by way of uh, Zimbabwe to Texas and San Antonio. And uh, so and some, some people call reward re, uh, yeah. And then last, uh, Justin Torrance, um, <clears throat> the prodigal. Um, and yeah, you always got to have a prodigal. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Dell, I want to start with you. Um, I want to ask, what is it about this message, this gospel of grace, uh, being an African being an African leader, being an African woman leader, what, what is it that got you uh, so freed up and, and so inspired to carry it to different countries, to leaders all over? What, just talk to us about that. I always say that my encounter with this message of grace wasn't without an attitude. <laughs> I, I was born and raised in the church, and I actually used to imagine myself sitting right next to Jesus 
and advising him on who should and should not be accepted in the church. <laughs> because I, I, I had made so many sacrifices in my, in my pastor's home, in my dad's home. My dad's a pastor. And I just thought, this must mean something. It must earn me a special place um, with the Lord. And so when I encountered, when I first heard about this, this message of grace from Bruce, in my mind, I'm going, yeah, I've been there. I've seen this. I've heard it. It's going to be just those same scriptures I've read before. I've memorized in the church and all that. And so the fact that that, that message was able to break through my, my nasty attitude, my dirty attitude, and meet me at the place where I was most vulnerable, because underneath all of that, like you, you must imagine, I, I was struggling. I, had, I was working so hard to appear right, to be what everybody thought I should be, to look a certain way, to walk a certain way, talk a certain way. But underneath, I was yearning to just be me. I was yearning for authenticity. I wanted to be accepted for who I was and for everybody to be okay with that. And that's what this message did for me. And so when it, when it met me where it met me, and not only freed me to be me unapologetically, that's a big mm. word that I don't think I said right, but also gave me the language for what I had been wrestling with all along, I couldn't but give back. I, I, I almost felt like Paul when he says, we've been comforted, and now with that same comfort that you have received, comfort others. And it, was, it just seemed like the natural response um, in that moment because I know and I see through those same defenses and walls that I experienced as a leader, as a, as a kid growing up in Cameroon. And I know that these leaders need the simple grace, which so often, because of cultural constraints, it seems too simple and too good to be true, but which really is true and which they need, whether they realize it or not. Thank you, Della. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, um, mm. One of the things that we uh, would really invite you to pray for, for Della during this time is that she, uh, as part of her doctoral work um, from Regent uh, University in Virginia, she is taking 80 young women and men leaders uh, from four countries in Africa, uh, Liberia, Uganda, uh, Zambia, Cameroon, uh, through the 16-week uh, True Face um, high trust leader course. And it's amazing. And she's into week two of those 16. And last night she was up at all hours communicating as a faculty member to those leaders over in Africa uh, because she, she's faculty to 80. Now, most of our faculty, they have, they have like a cohort of eight, 10, whatever. She has 80. And we would love for you to pray for her as she spreads this message as gospel of grace. Uh, and, and we'll do that just a little later. John, why don't you uh, yeah. get after those Texans? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did we mention we're from Texas? Did we? Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, why don't you just come on up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, this is a, what a privilege to introduce you to these two and who they represent. They are out of San Antonio. And um, they, they weren't even part of this morning originally, but we, they came in and hung out with our board yesterday, and they were so contagious in what they had to say. 
and we just loved them so much, we said, you, you have to be part of this morning. This is Chad, and this is Ree. And they were part of a group or five or six. I was back in Baton Rouge uh, speaking at a conference, and they accosted me. And uh, they, they said, you, you will sit down with us at lunch, and, and you will talk to us. We've been following you. We know your stuff. We know this true face thing, and, and we know about Open Door. And you say, you, you speak wise things to us. And, and we did. We sat down, and they were so hungry, and they weren't smug. They weren't cynical. They didn't know it all. They could hear from an older man, and they were humble. And I just thought, we, we must tour together all the time. And, um, it, when? Yes. It, it, it has blown our minds. And they have said, in San Antonio, we're starting something. We don't know what to call it, if it's a church or whatever, but we want it to look like the vulnerability and the authenticity of these two communities. And a lot of people influence their lives, but... But to hear that you guys wanted us to, to do that has just been powerful. So just quickly, I just wanted to ask you some questions, and, and you a question. First of all, you're, you're in San Antonio, and uh, you named the church for a couple of reasons. Uh, explain that to us, Chad. Chad's a senior pastor at, at this community. We call it lead pastor. I'm not quite old enough to be a senior yet, but uh, uh, just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> oh, man. There you go. That's what my elders told me. I, I, I just, just, no, first off, thank you, Open Door, so much for opening your doors to us and for having us and to True Face for letting us. Literally, I, we crashed the party this weekend. We just said, we want to come meet you guys. They said, well, we have this thing called True Face Weekend. We said, we're, we're there. And so we've crashed every party they've had, board meetings, um, anything we could show up to. Uh, we, we've been there, and, and they've welcomed us. They've fed us, which has been incredible. Um, and so thank you. Thank you for sharing these guys with us and the team and just for being you. Um, this is the late service, so I don't really have to take my time, right? <laughs> We have another, another service right after this. Yeah. I missed that on the website. Uh, somebody should update that. Um, so, so the Arsenal is the name of our church in, in San Antonio. And we are, uh, we're a small community. We started in January of this year. Um, but we're a community in an area of San Antonio called Southtown. We're just south of um, downtown San Antonio in uh, what's the arts district of San Antonio. And we're looking at where we really felt like God wanted us to, to be as a community. Southtown just kept popping up. And when I started looking and, and researching, there, there weren't many churches in that part of town, but there were a ton of young people that were just, just flooding the arts district because it, I, I feel like it was a place where they, they felt like they could be themselves and be accepted for that, even in a worldly standard. And so... When, when Southtown came up, we started looking around and looking at places to meet, and we had a guy that said, hey, we'll help you with a building, and so the first building we looked at was in an area of Southtown that's called the Arsenal District. There's actually an old arsenal in that area, and uh, when, when they, asked, they asked me to name the church, and, and at, at this time, I was the youth pastor, and so that's a long story on how I got to name the church, but... Um, 
I, br I brought up, I was like, man, the Arsenal, that sounds really cool. Like, I think people could say the Arsenal would sound awesome. Um, and so I, I brought the name up, and the elders were like, Chad, we're, people are going to think we're going to war. This is Texas, <laughs> that we're just a bunch of weirdos with guns. And uh, I, I was like, okay, let me, let me do some research. So I started looking. I looked up the definition of the Arsenal in Webster's Dictionary. And the third definition in Webster's, said a group of people or things that are available to be used. Hmm. And when I read that definition, that, that's it. And now I got to figure out how to sell this to my older board. <laughs> and, um, and so we, we did. We, we came up with, they, they, they bought it. Um, I was an interrogator, so I can be convincing at times. <laughs> um, that's, that's exactly how uh, we got this guy to sit down with us. <laughs> he didn't go into the tactics that we use, but we, that's for another time. But uh, so we, we named it the Arsenal for that reason, um, that we are a group of people that are available to be used. And, um, and I, I want you to know that you as Open Door have been vital in that, even from afar. I love how Carson said it. By the way, I sent you a friend request on Facebook, if you can. Okay. Um, I love how Carson said it, um, that, that the, the vines have just grown over the walls. And you don't even, I, I hear it because... I, I stalk you guys on everything. I stalk open door. I listen to your sermons. And I, I hear it because I get to hear John come back and say, you guys don't understand how far you've reached I, when you went to Washington. And I, I've heard this story. I, I steal sermons constantly. And so you have literally planted a church in San Antonio that you don't know us, but now you do. We're family and thank you for that. Thank you for, for True Face. Thank you for what you guys do. I tell our church all the time, I stole a, a saying from, uh, from uh, The Cure that um, I say it wrong, but I say it, it's more important that nothing ever has to be hidden than that anything ever gets fixed. And when I read that, I was like, that's community, that's church, and that's, that's what we want to be. And so um, thank you for allowing us to be open door in San Antonio. We just call it the arsenal. But continue to just allow these guys and your, your young guy. I got to meet Caleb and Chad and, and I mean, just some of the, some of the, your, your younger people that have come up that are leaders in this church and Kaylee just set me straight yesterday. And, um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for pouring into them and for reaching across state boundaries and internationally and continue to just be open and available to be used because it's God's making a difference through you. Thank you for that. So you, you um, yesterday, this is reward, and you said there are two reasons uh, and two things that you guys wanted to model and wanted to learn from us and wanted to latch on to us because of it, and they were profound. And just take a moment. Uh, all we have is a moment after that. I mean, he, uh, uh, so I, I hang out with rewards. That was so beautiful. Thank you, my friend. Will you do that for us, Rick? Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I will uh, take an African moment, right? I'll go African time on it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, time is very subjective in the African sense. But um, uh, so I'm the community minister or liaison with the arsenal. And so what essentially Chad uh, pays me to do is to geek out on different and several unique communities and their expression and what that looks like. And I think the root of that comes if you go back, right? If you go to, to Genesis, right, the blueprint of how we're made, right? If you look at God, the triune God, 
He's always existed in a sense of community, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so after that, from that place, he creates us. And so he is the cause where the effect. So the effect will always mirror the cause. So that means across generational cultural lines, we are born with this itching, this existential itch for two things, which is fatherhood, right, and community. We always have that. And so it's something that our generation is constantly and consistently crying out for. And now the beauty of the story, right, the beauty of why we are here checking you guys out is those are two things that the open door, right, and uh, even uh, True Face stars exceptionally well, right? This cry is even if, uh, so I, I watch a lot of things, right, a lot of pop culture, and uh, I feel like there's a pop philosopher, and his name is uh, Jason Silva. And how he, he talked about this, he says that the curse of proximity, right, the curse of being close to the people that you idolize, is that before too long, your idols begin to show their clay feet, right? He says whenever you come there, you begin to see, oh, right, it's gold and everything. Oh, there's clay feet there. And I feel like that's what happened cross-generationally to where whenever we got too close, we got disenfranchised with the fathers. And as a result, the fathers were like, well, we can either hide, right, our clay feet from this generation or literally put them at arm's length and not give them that proximity. And so the one thing I've loved about uh, Open Door and True Face and the fathers is the fact that you guys do fatherhood so well, right? I mean, Papa Bill, I mean, Bruce and John, you know, they've, they've all said, hey, you know, to a generation, come and see how we do life, right? Feet first, clay feet first. It's it's not, it's, it's not beautiful, but it's authentic and it's real. And I feel like my, my generation so desires to see that. There's, there's a show on Netflix that I, I, I love watching, and it's called uh, Luke Cage. And uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever you guys think about it. But one part of that made it, <laughs> made it worth it for It's not an endorsement, by the way. So <laughs> what did you learn at church today? They say we should watch Luke Cage. Do not watch that. But one part there made it worth it for me because, and a shout out because Jeremy's here. They were, at, they were talking about baseball, right? And uh, one, it's kind of lighthearted. He was asking, he was like, hey, why are there not enough brothers? Come on, somebody in baseball. Why is it that <laughs> yeah. we don't have a lot of brothers in baseball? But what he said was, well, baseball is a game that the fathers used to pass on to their children. And he's like, and now when the fathers, there's no fathers in Harlem. And as a result, there is no baseball within the, the black community. And I thought... They've nailed it right there. It's not just a culture, a color thing, but it's a generational thing. We ache for the fathers, and you guys do it so well. And, the, and it shows in your community. That is the second thing you do so well. The ethos of this house, it's welcoming, it's rich, it's extravagant. Every single person we have a conversation with has been here 10 years plus, okay? Someone was saying, I drive an hour just to be a part of this community. Why? Because a church alive is worth the drive. So what I'm saying is there's an entire generation that looks at the way you guys do things and do it so right. And so thank you for letting these gentlemen, the fathers, be an expression of that. Now we're here to see how we can take the liturgy of what you guys do, scale it up, and then serve it to a generation and say, this is the restoration of what it looks like. Because the curse, the essence of the curse in Malachi was the estrangement of the hearts of the fathers from the children and the quintessence of the gospel of the blessing mm -hmm. was a reuniting of that. And we see that. That's why The Heart of Man is such a powerful movie, because it's, the, it's the, that motif, right? That whole relationship motif between the fathers and the sons kind of put together. So thank you for this community. Keep doing what you're doing. We would love to mirror that and serve it to a generation. So thank you.
Thanks, you guys. Justin, man, you talk. You, you don't talk in the movie, but you, you, you actually you, you talk. This is, so is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, man, thanks for coming. Um, how many of you have seen The Heart of Man, by the way? Okay, great, great. Thank you, guys. Oh, great. You know, and, you know, if you, if, if you didn't get a chance to see it the first time, uh, it's coming out in two days. Uh, I think all the same theaters here in Phoenix. So, uh, uh, two days, Tuesday, October 17, 7 o'clock. Um, I wanted to ask you this one question about uh, the cliff. Okay, uh, man, how is it? That was a stupid move right there. <laughs> Amen, brother. Uh, uh, how, what, what were you thinking when you went off that cliff, and what was, what was God doing in your life, and why didn't you just let the stunt double do that for you? Uh, well, the first thing I was thinking was, I'm going to wet my pants. i got to just wait till I get in the water for it to happen <laughs> so I'm not embarrassed on the way down. It was scary. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I did, I did not, not, not. Sorry, just give me a second to laugh at myself. <laughs> I don't always say funny things, so I'm going to relish at the moment for a minute. Um, you know, it was, uh, I didn't let the stunt double do it, mainly because I wanted to experience what the prodigal was going to go through. I wanted to yeah. experience uh, all the different parts of this guy's life. Um, and, you know, similarly, similarly, it's really hard to say. Uh, when we, when I was in the cave, and for those of you who haven't seen it yet, you'll see this. Um, in the cave for two days, letting this the stunt double you mentioned, yeah, uh, world class stunt guy. Yeah, you know, uh, amazing, one of the best stunt men. He doubled um, uh, Deadpool. You know, so you, he's the guy flipping around. He's crazy. And we're in this cave for two days, and he's just beating, <laughs> beating this out of me, basically, like pulling my beard around and. I was like, I thought we were pretending, you know. <laughs> this looks so real, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> feels real too. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, <laughs> real tears. Um, but you know, in both those moments where it was like a super intense thing, and I'll I'll mention. Uh, I know I got to need to keep it brief, but I'll mention what I was thinking when I was going up the cliff. But just being able to, uh, for as many people as watch the the prodigal experience, what he's going to experience, and. Uh, you see him wander away, and you see him, you know, going to these dangerous places and and being beaten. Uh, we've all been in a place where, uh, at at some point in our lives, where we can, when we see that, we're like, oh, I know what that feels like. I've been there before, uh, male and female, uh, no matter what age you are, no matter what it is that uh, that we've all struggled with in our human condition. Something that we all share together is struggle. And uh, so I, I did it because I wanted people to be able to see themselves in it yeah. and I wanted it to feel real and I wanted to be able to feel what the character was feeling so I could tell as many stories as possible uh, so that when all of you go see it on Tuesday at 7 p.m. then uh, <laughs> and bring a friend, then um, when you see it that you can feel like you're watching yourself on the screen. And in that, in that regard, I'm kind of grateful at certain moments that there aren't any words because I think it's that much easier when you're not telling something, when you're just watching, you start to build your own narrative in your in your mind, your your own dialogue to go with what you're seeing, and it feels even more personal. Um, yeah. So that's the hope: is that you see the downfall of the prodigal, and you also see the redemption, and it feels like your own. Oh. Uh, and and what I was thinking going up yeah. the cliff was was just that was like this is for setting captives free. Yeah. You know, like the goal of this is to see people yeah. uh, fully come alive and. 
and be set free. Wow, that's great, Justin. Yeah. Quite good. You guys, it would be such an honor for us to uh, just pray for these guys. For just a incredible privilege to have you with us today. Yeah. So let's pray. Father God, uh, I'm, I'm shaking right now with uh, delight, excitement. What, what a privilege that you have. Um, what are you showing us that you would allow us to have this reach over the wall to let our vines grow? Father, thank you for Carson being here. This wonderfully good man who is learning to trust you in this season and their family is trusting you. Prosper this man, uh, even in that, that law vote on the 1st and 2nd of November. Father, we pray for him in it. And everything that he touches, we love this man. We love his influence throughout the world. And he is honoring his wife and spreading the gospel of grace around the world in China and Kuala, all overland. And we just thank you for him. Father, what do we say about Della? I, we just don't even know when or if she ever sleeps. And she is with uh, such braveness in cultures where women don't get to do this and don't get to speak in this way. She is. She's breaking down walls. She's breaking through old codes. God protect her protect this precious woman let her be released in such magnificent ways in all those uh, sub-sahara continent places god just we give her to you oh god we, we love her so much and thank you that we get to have a tiny role in 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 her what she's doing and father these two men gosh chad and reward they represent a group and then a community and then a movement and we asked father they came from such brokenness a community that fell apart because they didn't know grace they didn't know identity in Christ they only knew how to hurt and they are desperately asking for us to stand with them to learn a new way and to live out a new way and then speak in different language a new way and we want so much to uh, not fail them and love them well and protect them so that when we, we go off the stage, we will look back and see these ones thriving. Gosh, we pray for Stan, San Antonio and the arsenal. And then Justin, oh, what a gift. What a gift. What a beautiful job he has done in this movie. And not just this movie, but his whole life, his life in faith. And right now as this movie goes to uh, Netflix and then all other places. And as, gosh, we think of Bethel wanting to take the Heart of Man movie on tour. Yeah. Father, take Justin on that. That would be yeah. our prayer. Mm -hmm. Let him get to express uh, the beauty of the prodigal and the heart of the Father uh, for a long time coming. Yeah. Thank you for Bruce's role in this, in helping produce this film, God. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful work of God. Thank you for letting True Face have this uh, peace in it. So we give you these brothers and sisters 
on behalf of Open Door Fellowship, and we pray for them in the authentic and strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.